Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio, wherever you get your podcasts. Aw, you didn't have to go so all out for my birthday. Yes, we did. Because birthdays are about showing your friends how much you care for them and how grateful you are for their... This is Jamie from Progressive. No, this is a great time. Progressive protects you 24-7. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry that happened. <clears throat> Jamie. Can you hold on one second? Uh, I gotta take this call. But remember, birthdays are about togetherness. Contact us 24-7 on the phone, online, or on the mobile app. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Covered subject to policy terms. It is the Week 11 Recap Week 12 Preview, a special edition of Stacking the Box. Mad Ram. Listen, before we get into it, we got to start with something that's pressing on my mind today, which is everybody's worried about Thanksgiving and how they're not going to be able to be with family and you're not going to get to be able to share the stuffing or whatever, and maybe you're just doing it on Zoom. The bigger issue this Thanksgiving, and we're going to have NFL football, but most of us, we've been playing in a 9 a.m. Turkey Day game for years. And you can't go out and do that. So I can't see my boy Danny. I can't see my boy Gern. I can't see my boy Gins. I can't dominate like I have dominated in the past. This is the real loss of Thanksgiving. Families, high school, men, women, whoever, all getting together for their turkey football game. We can't do it this year. That sucks. It does suck. You know, I never was fortunate enough to really have that tradition because my town was so small that it would have been it would have been un- an unbelievable coordinating issue to get that to happen. And then uh, as I got older, I did have a few of them in college with college buddies, and those were good times. We played full on tackle football the whole nine, <laughs> and uh, you know, obviously, I mean, you know, just just roughing it, and it was fun. Remember stiff arming some kid, catching him square. It was it? We, we had a good time. I mean, we we don't do the tackle because you know I'm five foot ten, a hundred and some odd eighty pounds, and and very fragile. But there's always a little extra contact with the three people or two people that are rushing. And then I'm just thinking back a couple of years back for him. I came out there and I was I was in the middle of a good fitness run. I was doing my yoga. I was doing all sorts of things. So I was feeling loose. So I'm out there just like ready to play. And dude overthrows me in the end zone. And I'm like, I'm going to go get it. I'm going to go get it. I'm going to go get it full on, like as fast as I could run outstretched dive greatest catch I've ever made landed on my shoulder, popped it up. Grade two separation that happened. It's a shame. You hold on to the ball. I did. It was a great catch. Like, right, people like right. people were like, I mean, I was getting like for years, I was getting a claim for that catch, but I'm, but I'm like, and then I'm sitting there that, you know, later in the day, I got an ice pack on my shoulder the whole day. I'm like, was it worth it? Are you idiot? Um, it was worth it. Yeah. Cause you got a long term. I'll tell you <laughs> what though. So one year in college, it wasn't on, on Thanksgiving. It was like the weekend before. Cause everybody, you know, everybody goes home from Thanksgiving break or like a lot of people do. Um, when I was in school, I worked at the TV station on the campus and they would have this, this annual like football game it's supposed to be two hand touch for the 
with a golden pitcher, right? Which of course in college is you know a huge deal. You know, I think it was really just some broken piece of crap we stole from a bar. Anyway, so we're playing this game, and everybody, like, nobody's taking this game seriously. It's just an excuse to play for this stupid pitcher, and then just go out and go to the bars afterwards. And there's this one kid on the radio team who had a Napoleon complex, whose name is uh, or, or was Doug Meister. Swear to God, this guy's name. Doug Big Meister. D, little what? D. Little D. Oh, yeah. It was ridiculous. (laughs) So we get out there, and he's just – he's, like, in a full Under Armour outfit. Like – Oh, yeah. You're just obnoxious, right? So (laughs) I don't even remember who won. It makes no difference to this story. Our quarterback throws a ball in his general direction. The ball gets tipped up in the air, and he picks it off and starts running the other direction. And our quarterback – Instead of two-hand touching him, just kills him. I mean, <laughs> hits him as hard as he can, completely knocks the wind out of him, sends him flying out of bounds. Huge, like, oh, like near huge brawl erupts from this. Cooler heads did prevail, and uh, we finished the game. Again, don't know who won. Doesn't matter. All I remember is that kid flying through the air. And of all, oh, the, yeah. uh, of all like, the, quote, like the intramural type games I've ever played in, greatest moment. Just fantastic. You you made me think of the one time I ever laid anyone out, and I was always the little kid, and we would play in this dude's backyard, and you would throw the kickoff because it was not a big backyard. So you would right, like kind of right. throw it and spin it. And so it's going to go out of bounds. It's going to go out of bounds. It's going to go out of bounds. He's just waiting for it, waiting for it to go out of bounds. And then he realizes he's in the end zone that he's got to pick it up because it's not going out of bounds. And I'm flying down the field just running the whole time. And he picks it up, and just as he's getting up, I mean, I – like a pit bull just dove at him and killed him and i'm like and he just laid there he's laying out i'm like i've never done that before in my life but i'll always remember it because i was you know five foot 100 pound prepubescent freshman this is too much information on how do you make a radio ad for an 8k tv that conveys the feeling of 33 million pixels with over a billion shades of color hitting your eyeballs this is the best we can do Samsung Neo QLED 8K, unreasonably good. Stacking the box, but that was like the one time I ever laid anyone out. Tom Bear, he, he got it from me. Uh, he's a good man today. He's, he's alive and well, but that was a great feeling. Good, good. Yeah, you shouldn't <laughs> have taken so damn long to pick up the ball. Should have picked up the ball. Let's That's go. Right. Get your head up. And you being the former football slash more, more I guess, more like hockey player where you would just. I was going to say, I was, a, I was atrocious as a football player. Like I, I could like catch the ball and I can't run. So it was just—it was a disaster. I was never any good at playing football. I, I recreationally sure, but like I played one year of high school ball. My God, I—I I didn't have the speed and I didn't have the anger. Like I—I I remember lining up against a kid. I was like tight end. I think it was a tight end position. Kid is literally across from me, like frothing, and I just busted out laughing. I—I like, <laughs> I, I remember being like, I shouldn't be out here. This is. Uh- this is that, not going to end well. And I was just, yeah. I mean, hockey not, was definitely my call. Hockey and baseball are my sports in, in high school. See, that that's almost – that's a little surprising. I figured, like, Birdman would have been froth, frothing at the mouth yourself. But I, I uh, could – I got that anger in hockey. I, I, yeah. I could get there. In football, I think it was because I just knew deep down, like, I'm not fast. I'm not – you know, like, the only <laughs> position I could have played if I had any speed, I had good hands. I could have caught the ball. But I could I couldn't run. Like, like it was pointless. I was like the a receiver running like a five flat. It was awful. 
I would have taken you as a tight end in gym class and made you into something. I I, I feel like you they wouldn't have paid attention to you. You had just been catching touchdown passes. Who's dominant in gym class? See, there we go. I could catch the ball and I could outrun some other nerd, but like I couldn't like like when I played in high school and these kids were like weight training from the time they were nine, and I was out there like skating my whole life. It just didn't wasn't good. Yeah, you're you're reminding me of the great Joey Slutsky, who was very valuable in after school sports at Edgewood Junior High School. All right. Speaking of uh, nothing, speaking of this po- the of podcast football. that we're about to do, let's let's talk about uh, the Monday night extravaganza as the Rams beat the Bucks and everyone's freaking out. See, I told you Brady was old. He can't throw the deep ball. He, he if you if he goes up against a good team, he's done. Uh, the the Bucks uh, look like they're in a little bit of trouble here. Vertoram people are definitely selling Tampa right now. Okay, so here's something I pulled up. Ian Rapport tweeted this out. This is from Next Gen Stats, which is put out by the NFL. Tom Brady on deep passes, which are classified as passes that go 20 or more yards in the air. Is brutal. Last, is that what it says? Last four games, yeah. obviously including last night, 0 for 19. Okay? He has missed his last two 22 such attempts. Last, excuse me, missed his last 22 such attempts. He, since week five, is three for 36, and all of those came against the Raiders in week seven. So the problem for me is not even that the Bucs lost the game. The, the Rams are a very good team. The, the problem clearly at this juncture is that he cannot get the ball down the field in an offense – that Bruce Arians has forever schemed up to be a shot offense. They want to push the ball down the field. It's not an offense that wants to play horizontally. They want to go vertically, and they've got the horses to do it. Evans and Godwin, Antonio Brown. doesn't matter if you literally cannot complete one deep ball in a month. Like at some point, teams are just going to look at that and go, okay, great. We're going to take away everything underneath, throw it over our heads. And I'm not saying he can't do it. Maybe he figures it out, but – I am going to say that the evidence points strongly to the fact that he struggles mightily to do it. And if you're a team that's playing him, you're behooved to make him go deep. And last night, two picks, okay, both on deep balls. Should have had a third one, by the way. They got dropped right before the half. Um, It was ugly. It was really bad. 4.4 yards in attempt. That's about as ugly as it gets. So a couple things that for those who are – looking for Brady optimism. He is still skilled, at least in my mind, and it happened a bunch of times, at least a couple times last night, where he gets a lot of pass interference calls throwing the ball downfield. So those don't factor into the stats, and those are valuable plays. So there is that. Now, on the other side, just to build on what you're going with, there are two quarterbacks in the NFL who have thrown more interceptions on deep balls this year than, than Brady. Only two. You want to take a guess as to who they are? I'll take a shot just because they've thrown a lot of picks. Wentz and Wilson. Wentz is one, and Nick Foles of the Chicago Ooh. Bears has, is the other. Good Lord, he's only played half the year. Right, right. So those, oh, no. this is not the company you want to be in. Uh, I, I think it's just obvious what's going on with the Bucks. They're, I mean, and remember that, uh, you know, it ain't like uh, – I mean, he's throwing to Mike Evans. He's throwing to Chris Godwin. He sees out. He's I, stars get, everywhere. Yeah, right. But it just to me, they're a playoff team. But they're a playoff team that's not going to go very far. That's what it, I think. Up against better competition, they don't block well enough. He's not going to get away from the rush. I think. I think we we know exactly what Tampa Bay is. Playoff team, not going to go deep. Not going to go deep. So 
it's really interesting because I'll be very upfront, and people who listen to this podcast knows I, I have long said I think Tampa Bay is the best team in the NFC. My opinion of them is starting to change somewhat significantly because of the fact that Brady's been a liability for him. I mean, there's just no two ways. The other thing is, early in the year, they were playing great defensively. Uh, they're not doing that right now. The Saints lit them up. Carolina, the first half of the game, lit them up. And then the second half of the game, things went sideways. Last night, the Rams, I mean, Goff, he threw two hideous picks. One was a nice play by Whitehead. The other one was a horrible play. He just threw right at Pierre Paul, just standing there. The Buccaneers have looked terrible. And, and part of this is, look, it's great they're great against the run. Who cares? Like in the NFL today, you've got to be able to stop the pass. You've got to be able to do something by getting a four-man pressure. And they should be able to do that, by the way. They have horses, but they blitzed a lot early. They still blitz a very good amount overall, but it's not working to the same effect. And the reality is their cornerbacks are not good enough to have to cover for a long period of time. The, the devil's advocate is to that. Well, okay, well, then blitz. Well, when you're playing good teams, as they have the last two out of the last three weeks, those teams have receivers. Like, if you blitz, it's man-on-man on the back end. And if you have a good quarterback, Breeze, Goff, Mahomes coming this week, they're going to torch you. So the Bucks are in a little bit of a quandary right now. Absolutely a playoff team and very talented. But I wonder if it's a little bit of dream team-ish and not like actually going to come together as a team that on pay, like on the field is actually going to be that that great team that you see on paper. So just a couple things again on, on Tampa Bay Optimus. So by the way, most turnovers in the NFL this season, the Broncos have 23, the Cowboys 21. You know who's third in the NFL in turnovers? I'm guessing Tampa. That would be Carson Wentz, 18. He's his own category. So <laughs> at CBS Sports with, with that tweet, uh, the, the 49ers are, are, seven, are, are fourth uh, tied with the Washington football team. Anyway, um, and the Bucs are not actually not on, on the list here. The Eagles with 20 overall. Carson's got 18 of them. So, look, Tampa's schedule gets a lot easier coming up here. they got to play the Chiefs. But then after that, Minnesota, Atlanta twice, and Detroit. So they should be able to stack wins here at the end. But uh, And, you know, obviously this Sunday is not going to be a a day at the beach with Kansas City. Right. And let me just real quick just tack on. Look, the other thing is these these guys who normally are great players, okay, and are huge names, they're not getting it done this year in a lot of ways. I mean, Evans is on pace for 800 yards. Played every game this year. It's not an injury thing. Played every single game on pace for 819 yards. Okay. Scotty Miller has been a nice pickup for them. Okay. He's been a guy who came out of nowhere. He, you know, he's on pace for 600 yards. Okay, fine. He's played every game. Rob Gronkowski, Hall of Famer, big name guy. He's on pace for 581 yards. They have no running back who catches the ball, right? Like they, you know, Brate has been essentially forgotten about in this offense. Howard's out for the year. Godwin is the one guy who now he's been hurt. He's missed some time, but if you just take his yards per game that he's played and average it out, he's over a thousand. But they are not explosive. They should be. I, I mean, they, they really should be, but they're not. They they have one guy who's on pace for over 820 yards as per their yards per game. I mean, Godwin, obviously, because of his injuries, he's not even gonna get to 800 probably in all likelihood all year long. So it's weird. You see all those names and say, My God, they must be unbelievable. They're really not. And that that is that is surprising to me. I got to be honest, it really is. 
as we move on from Tampa, get to Kansas City here. I just want to shout out a, bu- a great Buffalo Bills fan at Bills Run Deep Two on Twitter. His tweet after last night: Yeah, sex is cool, but have you ever watched Tom Brady play like shit? And and you know what, Bills fan, it's been a tough one for you. And the fact that you're getting this little, I guess, drop of revenge that Brady's having a little bit of a scuffle right now, and the Bucks are seven and four, and the Saints have won seven in a row. You you get at it there at Bills Run Deep too. No no response to that one, Vernon Ram. I I think uh, <laughs> I think that's a great. Jamie's log. Progressive. The Harrington's Backyard, day 11, 4.43 a.m. The tent I set up in the Harrington's Backyard to prove Progressive has 24-7 protection has a rip in it. But a little rain won't stop me. Mrs. Harrington says she totally understands 24-7 protection means 24-7. Gonna stay a few more days to make sure. It's hailing now. That's fun. Progressive doesn't just offer a great price when you bundle home and auto. We offer round-the-clock protection. Just not literally from Jamie. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Progressive, but it's also hilarious. Like I'm not, I mean, I, I, don't say. I don't know. I don't know why it stood out to me, but that one stood out. Look, if you're a Bills fan, I mean, you're thrilled to death, right? Yeah. This is, this is the falling of an empire. Right. So, all right. Uh, Patrick Mahomes comes back. They get the Raiders. Raiders. I mean, the, the story to me in this game is that the Raiders were there again after beating Kansas city in Kansas city, they had a great chance to uh, sweep the chiefs, which yeah. You know, that, that's, that's a huge feather in the cab. If I'm a Raiders fan right now, I'm feeling pretty good about it. But, uh, you know, you're asking the question here, as Patrick Mahomes locked up the MVP, uh, he's certainly getting closer. I think as long as he's healthy, yeah, it's over. I really do. Because they have three home games left this year against Denver, the Chargers, and the Falcons. Three teams are playing for absolutely nothing. The Chargers might give them a little bit of a problem. They did the first time. But, I mean, you've got to think Mahomes is going to put up some good numbers in those games. They play in Miami. Miami's better, but I mean the Chiefs should be able to put up some yardage. And against the Bucks and the Saints, I'm, I'm thinking it's probably shootout city to some extent here, right? I mean, I, I would not think that the Chiefs are scoring 17 points in either of those games. So, I, I mean, Mahomes has an outside shot to get the 5,000 yards. I don't think that he does it, but it's not impossible. He's the only quarterback right now with over 3,000, and. You'd have to have 2,000 over six games. I mean, you're looking at about 325, 330 a game. It's a lot. Again, I don't think he gets there. But there's an outside shot. He's looking at like 5,000 yards and 45 touchdowns with like four picks. He might throw for seven zillion yards seeing Tom Brady across the field on Sunday. He'll be motivated to do it. That's for sure. And you've got him. I mean, look, Tampa, you never know. Maybe it rains. If it doesn't rain, it's going to be warm. It's not going to be a game where you've got to be worried about the, the temperatures. So – uh, and by the way, that's true in a lot of the, the rest of the road games, Tampa, New Orleans, Miami, like two of those games are in a, or well, one of them's in a dome. Miami is, is another warm weather city. So I don't know that he's locked it up. He's still six weeks left, right? Russell Wilson, where everybody thought locked it up a month ago and he's not even really in the conversation anymore. So uh, not locked up, but feeling real good. And I, by the way, I agree with you on the Raiders real quick, just for a second. They deserve all the respect in the world for the way they played that game. They could not have played any better. Carr was spectacular. By the way, Derek Carr this year is a top eight quarterback in the league, straight up. I mean, he's been great. Um, they, they defensively they didn't they didn't do what they wanted to do, but the Raiders just have a ways to go defensively. I, I don't think that was a lack of execution as much as it was a lack of just you know manpower and the ability to to, to rise up. 
offensively, they did everything they wanted. The Chiefs were a train wreck defensively. The, the Raiders played really, really well. They just fell short at the end to Mahomes. I'll give you a Chiefs concern, Verderam, and it's an, it's an NFL-wide concern. It's also a college football concern. Um, you get teams at the end of the season who are not going to the playoffs and might start checking out, and maybe you're not following protocols as well as you did earlier in the year, and then you end up playing a game against the Chiefs like the Chargers the last week of the season or Atlanta the second to last week of the season. Um, and you, I just think that that's a concern for teams it's checking out. And, you know, it's a good point. I, I mean, I'll say this luckily so far in the NFL, and I don't think it's happened in college either, although I can't say for sure. I don't follow closely enough, but I, there have been no on field transmissions. So that's been a good thing. Uh, great thing, maybe a season-saving thing. But I think right now, honestly, man, the biggest concern for the Chiefs is two-prong. One is just staying healthy. I mean, that that right now they're very healthy, staying healthy. The other one is, um, you know, look, defensively, I don't think they have a big issue. They haven't played well against the Raiders. They've been very good against everybody else. Um, they got to get more pressure without, without having to bring the house. Like Frank Clark, Chris Jones are getting paid a fortune. And they've been good this year. Don't get me wrong. They have been good, but they need to be great. Like, we're getting to the point in the season now here where, like, they got to crank it up a notch. So, we'll see if they do it. I, I still – ultimately, the Chiefs are 9-1. They essentially just clinched the division. And now they, they go to Tampa where uh, – we'll, we'll talk about it here in a little bit. They're a favorite on the road. So, you know. And, and, and they should be. Quick timeout. Stay with us. You are listening to Stacking the Box. So let's go to Baltimore and the Ravens falling apart here, both on and off the field. COVID left and right. They got to play on Thanksgiving Day against the Steelers. Who knows who's going to be healthy, even if that game is going to happen. We're recording this podcast on Tuesday. Be careful, NFL. You don't need our advice. You're not going to listen, but that just seems a little bit dangerous right now. Um, And the question on the table is, do they make the playoffs? That's clearly where we are right now with the Ravens. Tough, tough loss to Tennessee, getting out physical in overtime. Not great. Not great. Where, where are you on the, on the Ravens right now? Concerned. Very concerned. Uh, look, I, I do the NFL quarterback rankings for us every week here on Fanside every Tuesday morning. And um, I look at the next-gen passing charge for all the players. I mean, I, and I watch – the, the Ravens Titans game live. So I saw it, but you always go back and want to confirm things or, or maybe challenge things you thought you saw. Jackson threw one pass all game outside the numbers further than 10 yards down the field to be completed. The entire game. I mean, it was a touchdown. It was, great. it was the best throw of the game to Mark Andrews down the seam or down the hash, I should say, kind of widened out to the numbers. They're just not going to win like this. They're not going to win games with him throwing the ball like at the line of scrimmage and then just every once in a blue moon hitting some guy down the seam for 15 yards. They're just not. They're not running the ball the same way they were last year. They're they're good defensively, but they're not like all-time historic. Like they're they're good, but they're they're not shutting teams down, especially the good ones that they're playing. They're they're having just fine showings. Jackson has to throw the ball better. And and the receivers got to get open. Like, you watch the games, it's, it's well, not a chicken and egg thing. It's both of them. He doesn't throw the ball well outside, and nobody gets open. 
Well, and they don't catch the ball. How many drops are you going to have, Marquise Brown? I mean, some of these are right. I mean, I mean, there, there's a catching the football issue too in Baltimore, and maybe that's I don't know, kind of almost like a, a if you're missing the strike zone constantly in baseball, sometimes you don't get calls. Maybe that's part of it, I suppose. But catch the damn ball, man. Yeah, no, it's been a problem. It's been and and at some juncture here, if if the Ravens are going to make the playoffs, I mean, you look at the AFC, it's taken a minimum of 10. And you may get to 10 and lose out on a tiebreaker. But you're going to have to get to 10 wins. They have four games that I would consider layups for them the rest of the year that they should get to 10. But if you want to make sure you're getting in, you better beat Pittsburgh or Cleveland. You got to beat one of them. And, I mean, they got COVID issues out the wazoo going into this game on Thanksgiving night. I'm not feeling great about this game. The only thing I'll say about the game against Pittsburgh, it is a rivalry game. It is a blood feud. Those games tend to take – I mean, look at the Chiefs and Raiders. Like, the Raiders on their face. Look, the Raiders have been impressive this year. Fine. They should not have split with the Chiefs and almost swept them. They shouldn't have. But those games I mean the Chiefs struggle with the Chargers. Those games tend to take on a life of their own. So maybe the Ravens in a very desperate moment go down there and just and they find a way. But right now, if I had I wouldn't pick them to make the playoffs. I mean, they, they just look brutal offensively. First 23 starts in the league. Lamar was 19 and four. His last seven, or last eleven rather, which uh, does include the postseason. He's six and five. Uh, I also just would remind the world that uh, he, he's not playing like let's compare Lamar to, to Brady who's got more talent around him I mean it's not close oh, of course so to put it all on him is is a little bit unfair but I also think like you know the just just the throwing motion itself is just it's just a wonky style that he's got it's kind of like is, is that gonna work and then when it when it goes when it looks bad it really looks bad well, you know what? Like, there was a play in that game. Then we can move on. But there was a play that was illustrative of me of, of some of the problems with them. I want to say it was in the fourth quarter. Uh, it was definitely in the second half. And Jackson, there was a it was a post route deep down the field. I believe it's to Marquise Brown. Runs down the scene, and he's and he's wide open for a touchdown. He's wide open. My NFL saying a good five yards clear. And Jackson clearly sees him, and he like kind of pumps and waits. And then he throws it. And by the time he throws it, the guy runs out of room in the back end of the end zone. And the throw was there, but it gave the Titans enough time to close, and they crushed them and knocked them out of bounds. Incomplete pass. And, like, that's a that's a confidence thing. Like, you just got to let it rip, man. If you're going to win these games, you got, and if they're going to beat Pittsburgh, if they're going to go to Cleveland and win that game, they, he's got to let it rip. I, I think they are in deep trouble. I wouldn't say they're completely out of it by any stretch. They're 6-4, and four, but they've got to get going now. Yeah, they do. They they absolutely do. All right, let's move on. Let's go to Indy and Green Bay. Marquez Valdez Scantling giveth and then taketh away. Yes, he does. The bomb at the uh, to set him up at the end of regulation and then the fumble in overtime. Huge win for the Colts, man. Uh you know, you give Indy deserves a ton of credit. You're asking the question, like, what does it say more about Indy or more about Green Bay? Uh, like, for me, the Green Bay portion of it, it just, again, just throws them into the wide-open mix that is the NFC. Uh, and as for Indy, 
you know, they didn't win that game just solely on their defense. They get, they ended up playing, you know, they got it done in overtime, but they gave up a ton of points and still won the football game. So that that's a, that's a significant moment in time for the Colts going forward here to think that maybe they can actually do something uh, come playoff time here. I, I think if you're a Colts fan, you're feeling pretty damn good today. You'd be very happy. You'd be very happy. It's a big win. It's an important win. Um, I think ultimately that game – I have a hard time figuring out whether the Packers lost it more or the Colts won it. Now, that said, doesn't change my opinion on the Colts. The Colts d- deserve to win uh, and give them credit. They found the way to do so. Um, there was one play in that game where Michael Pittman caught like a 45-yard touchdown pass. It was a little drag route. He caught it and turned up field getting ready to get hit and literally went untouched into the end zone. The Packers just completely decided that they weren't going to they weren't going to defend one side of the field. It was an interesting call. Um, the the Colts are showing that they can hang with the big boys these last few weeks, right? They beat the Titans, who are a good team. They they handled the Packers. Uh, and, and and by the way, one of the weirdest endings to a game I've ever seen: nine holding penalties for the Colts, and like seven of them came in the last two and a half minutes. It was unbelievable, but they held on. They won. Listen, I think the Colts are a good team. I think they're in the conversation right now for, hey, who's the best team that could upset Kansas City or Pittsburgh? That's where I have them. But, hey, great couple of wins, and now they got a shot to really uh, notch another one here with Tennessee coming in. So just because you brought up the Pittman play, if people recall or, or didn't see it, whatever, he runs untouched in the end zones, 45 yards. And then he gets into the end zone and he does the Lambo leap. Now we're in Indy, so it's not really the Lambo leap, but like, hello, no Lambo leaps. There was, I mean, he was getting padded down by like eight dudes in the end zone. Come on, Michael Pittman. This is not the year to be doing that. I, I get it. You're in the moment. You're enjoying your life, but that, that wasn't great. And um, uh, I, if you, <laughs> if you also remember about that play, Aaron Rodgers is the, the shot of him on the sidelines afterwards. He's just beside himself at like how bad the defense was. He starts shaking his head, takes off his baseball hat, puts on his helmet like this. I, I have had if enough. The, if the Packers replaced Aaron Rodgers with Nick Foles, do they win five games? No, no. I don't think they do either. Uh, and we'll get to Nick Foles in a second here, but I, I got to tell you, there's there's one thing to like watching the NFL and have and thinking you have an idea about a player, and then there's another thing with watching him every single week when he's on your team and you really realize who he is. That's the experience that I'm having with Nick Foles now that he's in Chicago. As you know, light. I didn't realize you were you you were straight lightning in a bottle on a great Philadelphia team with a phenomenal offensive line that made you look good. The Jacksonville stuff was absolutely straight real, and you just flat out are a, you're a backup quarterback. That's what you are, and that's fine, but not when you actually need a real quarterback, which is what the Bears actually need, especially with that offensive line. All right, uh, speaking of real quarterbacks, Joe Burrow gets cracked, torn ACL, torn MCL, tweets he'll be back next year. That absolutely sucks. Um, but, he, you know, he just had a – even in the in the small sample size here, I mean, the guy just had a phenomenal, phenomenal season. Um, you know, he's he, – I got some Burrow stats for you, Matt. He um, – first of all uh, – hang on a second here. Where are my, where are my Burrow stats? He, he's got 
he ranks fourth in NFL history for most passing yards in the first 10 games of a career, 2,688. Uh, and he was on pace to break Andrew Luck's record for the most passing yards by a rookie if he had stayed healthy. So, I mean, it was a great year, and this sucks. Uh, yeah, absolutely awful. And you worry about him long-term, man. I mean, I, look, ACL, MCL, other issues in the knee that he needs reconstructive surgery. I get it. We're in 2020 and not 1960. That's a lot. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest-growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. That's – he's not a running back, but that's a lot. And, I, I look, I, I hope that he can come back and, and, and continue to build on what appears to be a very promising career. I'll tell you, though, man, the Bengals, that franchise, they're cursed with this stuff. I mean, Carson Palmer, way back when, 05, towards, towards ACL on a, on a hit by Kimo von Olhoff in, in a wild card round against Pittsburgh, came back, but really, you know, his career kind of stalled in, in Cincinnati after that. Um, and then the guy that nobody ever really even knows about now, Greg Cook, who in 1969 – was an unbelievably young, talented quarterback for Cincinnati, um, tore his rotator cuff, and missed three full seasons and played one more year and retired. In fact, he was so talented, Bill Walsh said that he thought he was Steve Young, but uh, but bigger. And Steve, and Bill Walsh would know because he was his offensive coordinator. Some of those coaches that were around him thought he was the most talented player they'd ever seen. So the Bengals – Hopefully this goes better than the first two times, especially better than the Cook situation. You know the last time the Bengals won a playoff game? 1990, they beat Houston. It's, I mean, it is unbelievable. It really is. It's just, it's a star-crossed franchise. They beat the Oilers, the then Houston Oilers, 41-14 in the wild card round, lost to the Raiders. The year prior... Um, you know who the uh, quarterback was for Houston that game? I mean, I'm going to guess it was Warren Moon. Am I wrong about that? He was hurt. It was Cody Carlson. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, you know, I, the year prior they were eight and eight, and then '88 they were in this. You know, that was the Boomer Esiason in the Super Bowl. Heartbreaking loss to the 49ers, 12 and 4. Sam White. I loved that team. Icky Shuffle. They were good, man. And then and then now we're in 2020. All right. Cincinnati, that sucks. He's gonna be fine. He's gonna be fine. Joe Burrow and all you LSU fans out there, he's going to be fine. Um, that is, but you're right, it's a significant, significant injury. So we'll, you know. The NFL needs a good, healthy Joe Burrow. Let's let's just hope that'll happen. All right, let's go to let's go to week twelve here, Matt. What are you most excited about in uh, in our Thanksgiving slash um, Sunday extravaganza for week twelve? I'll tell you what I'm not thankful for that that damn bullshit ass Texans Lions game that I have to sit through and cover on Thursday morning. Who in God's name has the right to put that game on television? Who hurt, who hurt the NFL? Who did this? 
I predicted the Texans would win last week, Bert Ram, if you recall. I, okay, that's a hey, good call by you. But that is beside the point right now. Like, I know it's it's like two more things now in our rundown, but I'm doing it right now. Should we cancel the Lions for Thanksgiving? Yes. And I'm a traditionalist. I am. Like, I'm all about tradition and, 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 and sticking with that and going through time. They suck. They have sucked for, I'm sorry, what now, about 50 years running? 60 years running? Like, I think we're all good on the Lions in, an, in a huge standalone spot. Like, the NFL, which will do anything for ratings. Like, the Ravens have, like, four COVID tests and they got four more positive COVID tests between the players and staff. They're going to play that game Thursday night because they need the ratings. They're not going to leave that slot alone. But they'll jam the Lions and Texans on there. Like, good Lord, just give me two teams I care about. Give me anybody else. Like, Dallas, I get it. They're a huge market. They're America's team. Fine. Detroit? Why? Why? Like, what have we done to deserve this, especially in a year where this year has been god-awful to begin with? So, look, I'm done there. But as far as as far as far what I'm excited about, give me, give me Tampa, Kansas City. It's a great game. Uh, give me the Indy and, and Tennessee. Really, really important game we just talked about. And then also, give give me Pittsburgh, Baltimore. Uh, COVID stuff aside, I, this is like Baltimore's either going to make their stand right here or they're going to roll over and die. What are we going to have? I'm very excited to watch that game. Great week of games. I'm fired up for Sunday night, Green Bay, Chicago. That's right. I said it. I'm fired up for a little five and five Bears and the seven and three Packers. Uh, Chiefs, Bucks, great game. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm all in on, uh, I'm all in on the New York jets getting their first win this week. Bertram J E T S. They were right there this week. Everyone was counting them out. The jets, the jets creeped in there again. Um, and listen, I've, I'm, I'm kind of interested to see just, uh, Hey, Hey, Arizona, you're going to go on the road and beat new England. I'm they're going to be scheming for Kyler Murray. I'm curious how that will look. Titans Colts is a great game. A lot of good stuff this week. And yeah, no, it is. It's a very good week of, of uh, football. All right, moving along to into the future um, as we take a look at who is on upset alert this week. And you you got the Cardinals in there, do you not? I do. I have, I have two teams. I always try to find two: Cardinals and the Raiders. And here's why: Kyler Murray is fantastic. He's a top ten quarterback to me, but it's the first time he's facing Belichick. Belichick's always got something for the young quarterbacks. So, how does that play out? I don't know. I will tell you, I do think the Cardinals find a way because they have a, a an electrifying quarterback and New England's all kinds of banged up. The front seven's slow as all get out. I, I just think Murray against that front seven's enough of a mismatch. They can overcome whatever Belichick throws at him. But I, I do think that's a kind of a game you could look up and go, that's 18-16 in the fourth quarter. What the hell is going on in that game? So that's one. The other one, uh, the Raiders – I've won my respect. They're a good team. But this is that classic game where they just poured everything they had into that KC game. It just falls short. Now they got to regroup, come cross country to play in the sterile dome down in, in Atlanta where this team is three and seven going nowhere, but they've got talent offensively. Like this is the kind of game I could see the first quarter at 17 nothing, and the Raiders are just in a coma. But that's my upset pick of the week. The Raiders are a good team. They're a much better team than Atlanta. But I just think because of the emotional aspect of it, I could see the Raiders getting tripped up here. So I am 
I'm very interested about what's going on in New Orleans. Like, it's just Taysom Hill. Like, it's to me, it's on the table. Like, maybe as this grows, he actually could be better. And the Saints are a bigger challenge to face with him as, at quarterback than even the great Drew Brees, which is a bizarre thing to even say. But I think that's at least slightly on the table. On the other hand, Vic Fangio's very skilled at scheming for literally anyone and the saints haven't exactly figured out this offense quite yet. Denver's coming off a nice win. They're a six point underdog at home. I think the Broncos have a great chance to beat the saints this week. And that would be, uh, you know, a little bit interesting. So uh, I'll, I'll take, I'll take Denver, man. The, um, okay. Okay. They're they're They, uh, I, I wrote him last week. I'm going to ride him again. Here comes the Vic Fangio's, which by the way, uh, I don't, I mean, there's, there's really no reason to like Denver. <laughs> like, like, like what, what redeeming qualities do they have other than the fact that uh, their defense is solid and somehow some way they're able to score, but Hey, they beat the fish. Made, they made Tua look horrendous. They made him go to Ryan Fitzpatrick and then they were able, able to hold him off. So I'll ride Denver again against uh, what could be quarterback challenge New Orleans. So, all right, moving along to here it comes. Do the Bears make their last stand or do they roll over? I think they're going to roll over, Carm, but I'm going to defer to you here because you're the Bears uh, expert here. I, well, I'll, I, I'll let you have your, your piece here. So, well, okay. I, first of all, I don't know who's playing quarterback for the Bears this week, so that's that's interesting. Um Supposedly, Nick Foles was not at practice yesterday or he wasn't seen. And I'm assuming that Mitchell Trubisky is going to be healthy. Uh, but who the hell knows if he is or isn't. And and I'm kind of wondering what his mindset is. A lot of the conversation that's going on in Chicago right now is that maybe it's better for Mitch to not play, which is completely crazy to me. His market as a free agent at the end of the season here can only be helped if he gets out there. He's There's nowhere to go but up right now. It's not like some team is sitting there thinking, you know what, if we get Trubisky, we can turn him into a really solid top 18 quarterback in the league. No one's saying that. But if he does come in right now and plays well, he could get to that point. So he should be banging on Matt Nagy's door to get out on the field. Uh, but do I think the Bears are going to turn it around? I think it's straight death for them against Green Bay. Uh, I'm interested to see it. I can't wait for the game. But I, I think Green Bay wins by two touchdowns. Uh, yeah. Yep, pretty much. I, I just don't see – I don't – actually, I don't think it'll be two touchdowns. I actually think it's going to be a close game because the Bears are going to shut down the Packers. The Packers can't score. Like, I, I mean, against good teams, against really good teams – you're going to take away Adams and say, beat us any way out, any, any other way, right? Like, I shouldn't say they can't score. They can score, but I think against a good defense, they will struggle to score because teams are just going to say, you have Adams, and okay, you can run the ball with Aaron Jones, so fine. You're not going to beat us down the field. I, I actually think the Bears defense could keep in this game the entire way. I just don't think they'll win because I don't think Foles or Trubisky or whoever the hell is playing quarterback can do enough to win the game. One of the Bears' safeties, Eddie Jackson, has COVID too, which so I'm assuming that he's going to be out, uh, which is a factor. But it's a fair point. Bears' defense could cause a lot of problems here. Uh, although the other side of that is too, Akeem Hicks has got a hamstring injury. If he's out of there, 
that's a huge problem for the Chicago. Sure. Uh, um, now maybe he grinds it out and is able to do something, but that's, that's an, another thing to pay attention to on Sunday night. It is time for us to get rich. Hang tight. We'll be right with you. It's stacking the box. Uh, all right, back to the NFC East. We've been doing this every single week. Who do you have now? Ezekiel Elliott says the Cowboys are in perfect position here, ready to roll against the Washington football team after a stunning Dallas win over the Vikings. Who are you going with this week? God. I, I'm going to go with Dallas because <laughs> schedule is in its favor. Philadelphia is not winning this division. We've talked about their schedule. They have no shot. They're not going to win another game until maybe like Christmas. So not picking them is between the other three teams for me. And I look at it and say, the Giants might get the six. Washington might get the six. I think Dallas is going to get the six and maybe could get the seven. Like they, they, they don't play anybody. Now, look, I am the first to say, all this crap goes out the window if Dallas goes out there and just, just blows a tire against Washington on th- on Thanksgiving, which they certainly could. Um, but right now, let's let's be real. We're, we're throwing darts at a moving dartboard. I will just say the Cowboys, because the schedule is the easiest for them. I mean, Washington is on the road at Dallas, on the road at Pittsburgh, on the road at San Francisco, three straight road games, home with Seattle, home with Carolina, at Philly, wouldn't that be amazing if that game was all on the line? The Cowboys, on the other hand, and by the way, if people are not registering in their head what the records are, the Eagles are three, six, and one. Everyone else is three and seven in the NFC East. Cowboys really have really quite a division. Cowboys have Washington at home, at Baltimore, at Cincinnati, no Joe Burrow, home with San Francisco, home with Philly, at the Giants. So to Verderam's point. That's it's ain't going to get much easier. Yeah. That's ain't going to get much easier than that. The giants at Cincy this week at Seattle, Arizona at home, Cleveland at home at Baltimore, Dallas, decidedly more, decidedly more challenging. So you're right. Um, And the, the Eagles, since we might as well just do it at this point. Oh, it's an unbelievable gauntlet. Philly is home with Seattle at green Bay home with New Orleans, at Arizona, at Dallas, home with Washington. They won't win another game. That's my pretty, They will not win one more game the rest of the year. They'll get Dallas and or Washington in the last two weeks. I honestly, one, man, Wentz is so shot. I don't think they're going to win a game. That would be interesting. Um, all right. I think the, the, the Cowboys, That's Zeke's probably looking at the schedule too. Hey, look at the schedules. We're in the best spot. All right, so who's your pick right now in the NFC as a whole? Ask me again in 10 minutes, and I'll give you a different answer, but I'll, I'll take New Orleans. New Orleans' defense has played much better here the last month. Now, they have not played exactly a, a tour de force here on the schedule, although they did play Tampa, and they smoked Tampa. I, you know, you got to be fair. They were, they were very good against Tampa Bay, th- you know, three points the whole game. The Falcons do have a good offense, although they are they're weird at times. They nine points is nine points. Saints have been much better defensively. They're getting healthy offensively. Obviously, Breeze right now is out, but Michael Thomas is back. Breeze will be back, you would imagine, you know, in the next month. Uh, they should hold down the fort until then. 
I think the Saints are the best team in the NFC, and I think they're going to have home field advantage because they're in the Chiefs, so they play week 15. They play nobody. So I think they're going to have home field. Family. It looks a little different for everyone. For some, it's mom and dad. For others, roommates who feel like family. And for others, it's your significant other, their golfing buddies, your children, a high school soccer team starting lineup, and oh look, they're all taking you up on the offer to stay for dinner, really testing the limits of that phrase, the more the merrier. But no matter where you call home, GEICO makes it easy to bundle and save on home and car insurance. Easier than making three frozen pizzas and assorted frozen veggies into a cohesive meal. Throughout here, um, the Packers are the biggest threat to that because the Packers beat them. So if they tie, obviously Green Bay wins that breaker. I like New Orleans a lot. The only thing you got to be nervous about, Saints. And I don't put a lot of stock into this because year to year things change. They have had three just brutal playoff losses in a row. And that, how much does that start to play into your head? But I'm taking them. I don't think the Bucs are going to win three games in a row on the ro- in a row on the road. I don't think Green Bay is going to win uh, three playoff games in a row. I just don't. They, they've shown no proclivity to beat teams with, with a good record outside the Saints who are playing like crap and they saw them. And Seattle can't stop anybody. I mean, the Rams are kind of the wild card in all this, but I'll, I'll take the Saints. Yeah, I would. I'm going to slightly quibble with you on Seattle. Their defense has been better the last two weeks against the Rams and against Arizona. They split those two games, and the Seahawks have a great chance to win out. They got the both New York teams. They got they got Washington. They got San Francisco the last week of the season. Where the Rams I mean, again? And they but the, that's their only tough game. They got to play the Rams one more time, and they get them at home. They could. I mean, Seattle could win out here. Um, it's so not possible. Uh, I, I, I'm going to take the old Seattle Seahawks that their defense will continue to get better. And when we get into some solid cold weather, Russell Wilson and his creativity, who sort of creeped a little bit back into a distant MVP conversation with the win over Arizona, distant, distant. I'm not trying to overstate anything here, Uh, but I, I, I'm not, I'm not sold on the Saints for whatever reason. I don't have a great one, but it just I haven't felt it. And it, like maybe it's all the playoff years past. So I'll, I'll take Seattle. All right, place your bets. Let's make some money. Steelers a four point favorite over the Ravens Sunday night fo- uh, Thursday night football Turkey night. If indeed we actually have that game played, a lot of COVID situations. But who do you like? I think the Ravens will cover it. I think the Steelers will win. Um, the COVID stuff is just a huge uh, wild card in all this. And I don't trust Jackson. I don't. He's been terrible this year. He's been terrible. He's not playing anywhere near the level of a top-end quarterback. And he was the reason they lost the first time against him. Marcus Mosier, who's written for Fanside before, pointed this out on Twitter. Jackson started two games in his career against Pittsburgh. Only two. He's had five picks and five fumbles in two games. It's just, it's not great. And I, I, I think the Ravens have a shot. And the reason I pick up the covers is they're just going to be so desperate. They're going to be so desperate. And I think their defense can cause problems. Here's the path for them to win this game. Jackson is completely mitigated in this game. They run the ball like crazy, which they did the first time. The second thing is they force Roethlisberger into turnovers. They can do that. They've got to do it to win. If they can get two turnovers, I think they win this game. Can they do that? I'll take them to cover. I will not take them to win. I like the Steelers. Uh, J.K. Dobbins, Mark Ingram, both testing positive, by the way, on Monday. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's 
I don't think any other names have come out that at least, but, but more people are names will come out here. Um, that line is very odd to me. Four points, really 10 and oh against the fading Ravens. It I, was I, two and a half. So that, which, so that's, so that's interesting. The Ravens are better than them on a neutral field, which is incredible, but that that's what it opened at. So Vegas does not buy Pittsburgh and they're still slightly bullish on Baltimore and I hate being on the side of the public, but I, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta take the Steelers. Let me ask you a fun one, real quick. Thirty seconds. The Steelers go undefeated to the AFC Championship game. Kansas yeah. City gets there at fourteen and two, fifteen and one. They're on the road. Are the Chiefs a road favorite in the AFC Championship game? Hundred percent. They are, right? Yeah. Like I thought that to myself the other day and said, okay, maybe I'm just being a homer in this. And I thought, like, I think Kansas City would be laying like a field goal. Against an undefeated Steelers team in the AFC title game, but I think it would happen. I, I was thinking three. Um, that's what I was thinking too. Yeah, but that would be interesting if we get there. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't either. Uh, um, I mean, we can. Yeah. Let me let, let's just let's just get it out there because we've done it. We always the schedule is the schedule, and you all can look it up. But we we don't make you look it up here on Stacking the Box. Pittsburgh the rest of the way. Baltimore Thursday night, home with Washington at Buffalo. That'll be tough. Cincinnati on the roads a win. Home with Indy, interesting game at Cleveland. Really, they could do it. I mean, that's not you don't you know the the at Buffalo is your toughest game. There's a few in there. At Buffalo is the toughest. They could lose to, to the Ravens. I, I know we're picking the Steelers, but they could lose. I mean, right? They, but but they're they're favored. Um, they're yeah. they're going to be favored in every single game on that schedule except for the and the Bills game is going to be like a pick 'em. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I'll give you the one game that, that stands out to me, though, that game against Indy. Because Indianapolis has a good defense. And that could be it, one of those games where they pick him off or something and they win like 17-14. I mean, I could definitely see that. Now, Rivers could throw six picks. But that game, to me, comes down to which quarterback screws up the most. I uh, think the Steelers are going to go 14-2. and two. I'll put it out there. That's what I think okay. the Rockets going to do. Okay. It, it's interesting, though. They, they, they could do it. I – and then you'd have the Verderam situation or the Chiefs on the road favored against an undefeated Steelers team in the AFC Championship game. That'd be amazing. Uh, if the Steelers make it to the AFC Championship game, they could get upset or also. All right, Chargers and Bills. The Bills are a five-and-a-half-point favorite. Do you think the Chargers keep it close? Chargers cover, Bills win. I, I think the Chargers are going to score a lot of points. Herbert can play. Herbert's really good, man. Like, I don't know how much of the Chargers you've watched it all this year. He's fantastic. Like he's going to be a, a Pro Bowl player year in and year out. And and so they've got weapons. They can rush the pass. Like now they suck because they, they can't play situational football and they, they lose all these games late. But I think the Chargers are going to be right in this game. The Bills are are much better. I think the Bills win. But I think this is one of these games. You're gonna look at the fourth quarter scoreboard, like seven minutes left. It's gonna be 34-31. Like the Chargers have the ball and they're driving, and then and then they'll just do something ridiculous to lose. But I, I think it's a game. I do. I think the Chargers are going to stay right in it. it. It's really – it's a fun matchup, too. A little, little Josh Allen, a little Justin Herbert. Yep. Have, you, have you seen the uh, the video that was making its way around Twitter today uh, this week? And it, it – I mean, it was out back in the day, too. But it was Allen throwing to a, uh, a target and had three different holes where, you know, the smallest hole, the middle hole, and the, and the big hole. And the, I forget who he was – it was another – Another drafty at the time was thrown with him. And the first, the other drafty, I should know this, but I, whatever, doesn't matter. He puts it right in the smallest hole. Allen missed the whole target. 
the whole kid and caboodle. He, he overshoots the whole thing. So, uh, but the guys, which was why Verdurin at the time was saying that Josh Allen completely sucks, uh, which he's gotten better, man. This is a, this is a fun matchup. I'll take the bills. This is by the way, it's a little Anthony Lynn return to Buffalo, by the way, second time since he's the chargers head coach. So there's some extra motivation right there, uh, but I'll take Buffalo to win by a touchdown. Give me the bills. Let's go Raiders, a three-point favorite on the road at Atlanta. You're taking the Falcons, uh, judging by what you said earlier. Yeah, I am. I know you just be brief. I am. I'm going to take the Falcons. I think they win by a couple of points, two to three points. Um, it's it's obviously a little bit of a bold pick. The, the Raiders are better. Like If the Raiders go down there and they're focused, they'll win the game. I just – I've seen it a lot before. I remember earlier this year when I picked Arizona to lose to Detroit, I just felt like 2-0, they're feeling really good. Young team, weird spot. Now, the Raiders are a little bit more seasoned. They went through this last year before they collapsed at the end. I don't think they're going to collapse, by the way. I think the Raiders are going to make the playoffs, even with this. I just feel like in this spot, this is the classic game where you go cross-country, you just had your heart ripped out, a really close game against a great team, rival game, all that. And then you kind of go into Atlanta with a little bit of a hangover. If the, if the Raiders don't do that and they and they smoke the Falcons, shows me a lot from a maturity standpoint. I hate being the chalk guy, but apparently this is the way I'm going right now. I mean, the, the Falcons are one and four at home. Julio Jones has got a hamstring injury. Like I, I the Raiders are playing good football. They're sure. four and one on the road. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go Raiders. I'll, I'll, I'll ride it. My, my upset pick is the Broncos with the saints. Saints are a six point favorite at on the road at Denver. I'm, I'm riding with the Broncos and Vic Fangio scheming for Taysom Hill. What do you think? Well, I, I think the saints win this game and they cover barely. Uh, I got him by touchdown. I just, this to me comes down to drew a lock. I think the saints are just going to, Shut them down. Shut that offense down. The Saints have been really good defensively the last month, and I think they're going to continue that trend. I do not believe in the way that the Broncos' offense is played. Locke has seven touchdowns and 11 picks. He's been awful. I, I, I'm not picking him against the Saints. So give me the Saints in the game that is, uh, oh, I don't know, 26-19, something like that. Last one we have is the Bucks and the Chiefs. I know you're taking Kansas City here. At least I assume you are. Uh, the Chiefs are a three-point favorite at Tampa, which seems light. Sure. But I, whenever anything doesn't you think make it seems sense. light, you think you should be fair about more than that. Yeah, really? I would. Ma- I think the Chiefs. I mean, listen, uh, Chiefs have played a ton of tight games. Played another one last week, but I don't know. Tampa's sliding. Uh, the Chiefs have had, as you underlined earlier, pressure have had trouble putting pressure on the quarterback, which maybe means that Brady will have a big day. That seems like a bit of a leap right now. I don't know. I, I to me, this should be like a five point spread, but I, I take the Chiefs giving to only three. So I've thought about this because. If the Chiefs don't get pressure on Brady, this is going to be a shootout and a half. You can just see it coming. But last year, the Chiefs played them. They played the Pats, who had no weapons. Okay, different deal. Spagnolo was 
just disrespectful in the way he came after Brady. I mean, they were blitzing six and seven guys over and over. I mean, it was almost to the point of comical. I mean, they, they were they treated him like Joe Flacco. It was unbelievable. They won't do that in this game because of the weaponry. But I expect that the Chiefs are going to blitz and blitz a lot. And they're going to play underneath and they're going to force him to throw the ball over the top. This game essentially comes down to, I, I believe, Spagnuolo, who had an awful game plan against the Raiders, bounces back this week. And I'm not picking against Mahomes. Mahomes right now is hotter than the sun. And the Bucks defense has not played well. Give me the Chiefs 35-31, somewhere in that – I, you know, somewhere in that vicinity. I could see it if you wanted to go a little more Chief-centric, 33-24, 33-27, something like that, right in that, that sweet spot of, you know, four to eight points or so. You're having just, – just remember, Verderam, as I pause for a second here, you'll never have it better than you have it right now. No doubt. This This is – just enjoy it for however long it lasts. It might be another decade, by the way. But just in, 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 like, just try to soak in every moment, big dog. This is, you know, these guys don't come around ever again. Speaking of somebody who hasn't seen anything good in my life since 1998 when MJ retired. You know Uh, what? You can speak from that experience because you saw Jordan and Mahomes is obviously not Michael Jordan yet, but I mean, really might, might be like on his way to being the football version of it. And I will say there's a, you know, I, I've said this now I, on a radio interview. I said it um, on the Chiefs podcast. I do Arrowhead Attic podcast as well. There's a line in the in the series finale of The Office where one of the characters said, I just wish you knew when you were living in the good old days at the time. And I've said this, Chief fans, you're living in it. Like, enjoy it. Because I'm 32 I will die before they ever have a player better than Patrick Mahomes. So I'm with you, man. I'm 100% with you. All right, let's rip through in or out. We appreciate you listening to the podcast. Uh, thank you so much for being with us here. And let's we're going to come on strong here with, with four in or outs for you. Uh, the Dolphins will regret benching Tua on Sunday, in or out. So I'm in on this, and not maybe for the reason that you would think. I, I, I think, look, he's going to start on Sunday against the Jets. I'm sure he'll play well after all, you know, the Jets. Um, but when you bench a rookie quarterback four games into his career, you're sending a message, not just to him, you're sending a message to everyone on that team that you don't have confidence that he can rally the team, that you don't have confidence in the way he's performing, that you don't have confidence that he's the guy that stuff in locker rooms at this level, it matters. Guys notice that. And guys will go home and say to themselves and to a teammate or a buddy of theirs, well, if, if Flores doesn't have confidence in, in Tua, then why the hell should I have confidence in him? I, I, I understand that you're trying to win a game, that Fitzpatrick maybe gives you the best shot there. I, I'm all for that. But if that's the case, then you shouldn't have put Tua in the first place. Like, then you should have just let him sit on the bench and played Fitzy all year. I don't think it was the right move. You cannot yank a kid like that. It screws with the confidence. And Tua has not been good, by the way. He's, he was good against Arizona. He's been awful in the other three games. But once you made that switch, he's the franchise now. Like, there's no going back. I, 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 I don't. How do you make a radio ad for an 8K TV that conveys the feeling of 33 million pixels with over a billion shades of color hitting your eyeballs? This is the best we can do. Samsung Neo QLED 8K. Unreasonably good. 
like that. And Flores, is, he's been great. He's my coach of the year. I don't think that was the right move. Just for the record, he was 11 of 20 for 83 yards. It was awful. I mean, he and, and but the bigger concern is, look, the dude got sacked six times and he was hit a bunch of times more. And he's coming off, you know, serious, serious health issues. I thought they got him out of there for just honestly his his physical health. And sure, they're you know they were at the time they were six and three now six and four. You're trying to hang around and, and be a playoff team and all that. Uh, but it was just interesting to me. I mean, Fitz came in there is twelve of eighteen. They didn't sack him once. You know he wasn't great. Um, but I, I, to me, it was like, look, we're, we're trying to keep the dude healthy. Um, so they said uh, after the game though, it had nothing to do with that. Yeah, I know, I know. But see, to me, then then you're throwing the whole offensive line under the bus. I I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm just uh, maybe I'm dead wrong, and and they're they are telling the truth. Um, so, but yeah, I, I, overall, I'm with you on your point here, Matt. Look, if, if you're going to go to him, then let him ride out. If you're going to draft a guy like that, period, you got to believe in the fact that he's going to be healthy. And if you're going to play him now, then let him go through all the tough times. Even though you're in a playoff chase, you, it, it's really long-term for you. Leave him in there. Let him learn all that. Uh, but he was having a real tough time. Uh, and that's, you know, I, I would say concerning for the Dolphins here. Yes. D- Detroit should have fired Matt Patricia after Sunday's loss. The Lions shut out for the first time in, what is it, 20-plus years. You got him. I just fire him. I mean, I, I'm not – look, I – I know when we talk about the stuff, like we're just talking about it kind of flippantly, but it's really somebody's livelihood. Fire him. This is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. I'm sorry. This has gotten to the point now for me, like it got with Bill O'Brien in Houston. Now, O'Brien was there longer, but O'Brien at least, as much as we bagged on him and crapped on him, and deservingly so, like the guy at least got to the playoffs a bunch of years, won a couple of playoff games. He was a complete incompetent, bumbling fool most of it, but he got there. What the hell has Matt Patricia done? He took over a nine and seven team, drove him straight off a cliff. Kaylin Kaner, who's who's a very good reporter, used to work at SI now, now does work for Bleach Report. She wrote a very lengthy piece on all the issues that, that go on in Detroit. And I can tell you from having been around Patricia for even a few days at the senior bowl last year, I, I'm not shocked. Okay. The idea that he's gonna somehow turn this around, I get it. Look, they're just gonna ride it out and can him at the end of the year. Like, send them a message. You have been a doorstop of a franchise now for, I don't know, 60 years running. Like, how about telling the fans that it's completely unacceptable that you stink this bad? And then you know what? Here's another thing. The, the Lions have this wonderful history of never paying any amount of money to hire a head coach. I mean, go, go think about who they've had as a head coach over the years, in recent years. Who the hell have they ever hired that's got any cachet? Caldwell had been to a Super Bowl in Indianapolis, but most people felt like he just took over Dungy's team and then and then basically left. And, and, and actually, it was a pretty good head coach, but didn't work out. Jim Schwartz, who didn't work out. Steve Mariucci, who was there and gone in a minute. Same thing with Mike March. Marty Morningweg, Rod Marinelli, Bobby Ross, uh, Wayne Fonts. We're now to the 80s. Okay, like how about going out and paying top dollar and bringing in somebody with some real effing chops, not some guy who like, oh, you know what? He costs half of what an actual head coach would cost. It's a joke. Fire him. You just lost twenty nothing to PJ Walker and the Panthers. It's ridiculous. 
Things change quickly in the NFL, but just to go back on it, it Patricia was inheriting a team that had been nine and seven uh, the, in back-to-back years coming in. Caldwell overall, he was an over 500 coach, which with the Lions, it's a pretty rare accomplishment, but he was – he was 36 and 28 in his, in his four years there. And granted he didn't win a playoff game, but he, they yeah, went certainly twice. respectable. Right. Exactly. Um, and back to Patricia, by the way, as far as feeling bad for him, the guy's been a defensive coordinator. Uh, you know, he's with the Patriots since 2012. He's got a four year deal. He'll be all right, Matt. He'll, his family's not going to starve. Don't worry about him. He'll, and he'll get an, he'll get another gig in the game. Um, Oh, he will. I'm he out. Absolutely I, will. I'm out on the question. He should have been fired well before last week. Um, the Bills are the AFC's third best team in or out. Go ahead. So I'm in. I'm 100%. I think Buffalo is the third best team in the AFC. Um, Josh Allen is having a very good year. He's mitigated a lot of the issues, the accuracy issues. He's, he's played very well. They've got, and they've got real players on this team. Stephon Diggs is a legitimate receiver. He's number two in the league in yardage, okay? Cole Beasley's an excellent possession receiver. John Brown, nice deep threat. They've got a pretty good offensive line. Defensively, they've not lived up to their standard this year, but they've got the talent. There's real talent on Buffalo. Coaching, very good. McDermott's an excellent head coach. And I'll tell you, and we haven't seen this since 1995, they, in January, they get a home game in in Buffalo. You want to go up there and play them in five-degree weather? I don't want any part of that. That doesn't sound fun. Like the only thing that would hurt Buffalo in that, in that situation is if they draw a team that wants to just pound the ball because that kind of weather and, and that's especially up there, you get the wind and everything else that could hurt. But I think the bills are the third best team. And to me, they have a real shot. If they went to Arrowhead, they went to Pittsburgh to win. And do I think they would? No, I don't. But I, would I give him a 25% shot to go in there and do it? Yeah, and that's a real chance. That's a one-in-four shot. I would, and I'd give him a better than that. The, the Pittsburgh maybe one-in-three. Bills have played a lot of close games. I mean, they, they, they scuffled with the Jets for a while. They barely got by the Patriots, but they did. It, they had an impressive win, but, it, you know, uh, against Seattle, put up 44, which was Allen's best game as a pro. Um, I don't. I don't feel comfortable saying they're definitively the best team, the third best team in the AFC. Like, I think they're just in the bunch with the Raiders, um, with with the Colts. Um, if you had to pick, though, who yeah. you got? I'd say I, – I'd take Indy. Okay. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. Um, I think overall I, – I, I, but it uh, – I mean, but again – so it's right it's now, all ju- you, they're all they're all the, to me it's like you can flip a coin. Right but now I would you t- have Kansas City is the best team in the AFC. Kansas City best team in football and the AFC of course. Then Pittsburgh, so then in then Indy, then then Buffalo, then tennis. The, is then, the gap? Yeah. Is the gap between Kansas City and Pittsburgh bigger or smaller than the gap between Pittsburgh and the third best team in the AFC? Great question. Um, I think the gap between Kansas City and Pittsburgh is greater. I actually agree. Yeah, I agree. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I I think the Chiefs are. I'm in on Kansas City until proven differently. The Steelers will be the AFC's top seed in or out. I'm in on this, man. After going through the schedule and deep tonight, I I actually think the Steelers are going to do it, which is kind of crazy. But I still put them behind Kansas City. 
Uh, I'll be brief. I'm out. I think they're going to go 14 to two. And I think the Chiefs will as well. And the Chiefs win the tiebreaker, unless you get a very weird uh, way that these teams lose these games. But the Chiefs, probably, if they lose, it's probably going to be to New Orleans or, or to Tampa. And if that's the case, and Pittsburgh loses two games that aren't to Washington, um, hell, even if they lose, even if one of those, that is one of the losses, as long as the Chiefs don't lose two conference games, if they both finish 14 2, the Chiefs get the tiebreaker. So I will say Kansas City finishes as the one. Um, and if they do, good luck. I, I do not think – if they've only got to play two games to get the Super Bowl and they're at Arrowhead, I, I would be hard-pressed to pick against them. See, people keep on talking about the home field. I'm like, does it really matter? There's not going to be any fans there? I don't get it. It will be in Kansas City. That's true, although that might change by then. Not a full then. stadium, obviously. It, but it's, it still might change by then, but maybe not. I honestly I don't, don't even think that's – the reason I feel that way is just when you're home, it's a comfortable environment. I guess you sure. know you don't have to travel, which in this circus circus of of a year, I think matter. I look, do That's I think fair. is a huge difference? No, but I think the biggest difference is they get the week off. They'd be right. very rested. They don't have to play another game, and I could just see them coming out and just destroying two teams and being in the Super Bowl. The the one seed matters a, a ton. All right, Thanksgiving week, Vertoram. What's going on over there? All right, so. We're, we're not seeing family, which we're disappointed about, of course. Um, but we'll be staying home. See, what, my wife and I, neither one of us, big fans of the turkey dinner. So we're making a big lasagna, right? Having a, have a nice Italian feast. Going to have the lasagna. Going to have a little mashed potato. I'm going to go into a carb coma. And then uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make some cookies. And I think she's making a, an apple pie. I think that's how we're rolling. So uh, it's going to be good. I can't wait. I'm excited. Um, and, and the most important thing is I'm putting up all my Christmas stuff on Thanksgiving during that, that Cowboys uh, football team game. So I am pumped. I got my Christmas lights up last week. They look great. They're on a dusk to dawn timer. And, uh, because I am terrified of heights, I, I, I did not uh, get up there and clean off the gutters. I, I have, by the way, I do normally get the gutters done, but because I was doing the lights, my beautiful, wonderful wife graciously offered to clean out the gutter. So she got up on the roof and did it while I put up the lights. And uh, it was good. It was a beautiful thing. And now I'm looking forward to the holiday season. And I'm really looking forward to all the baked goods and the lasagna on Thanksgiving as I stuff myself like a turkey. Well done. I am going to my in-laws for Thanksgiving in a garage open with a heater. I hope they real. I hope they don't have their heaters up close to the top of the garage that and is, burned, uh, that is burned, up, burned down the house. Um, yeah. I'm just going to go in grab a plate and say hi and bye. That's my plan. Uh, but let me just off of Twitter, Vertoram, a Thanksgiving story. My mom is 90. She still has Sunday ticket. She dearly loves her bears. And when the bears played on Thanksgiving in 77 in 79, in 80, in 81, the family had a choice. The choice was this. You either eat dinner at 10 in the morning or after the game. No food preparation allowed to take place during any plays from scrimmage. And that is the message that I would like to give this Thanksgiving for all our football family friends out there. You do not need to be in the kitchen making things happen if you want to watch your football. You get to sit down, watch whatever game or games you like, 
and make the uh, make everybody else share in the duties. This should not just be uh, the only person who can cook is in the kitchen because nobody else, uh, everybody else wants to watch football. Let's be fair. Let's be gracious, and let's show love this Thanksgiving. That said, with the Texans and the Lions playing, <laughs> can I please be in the kitchen? <laughs> I, anything but having to watch that game. Anything. Like, how pissed are Nance and Romo that they have to do this atrocity of a football game? There, there's a great chance that during that game, I will be on some level of Netflix and or. Uh, I'm working the game and I'm going to be on Netflix. Yeah. Like I, yeah. I, I, oh, my God. I was Every- given the choice. I could have worked one of the three games and I picked that one. You know why? I hate to admit this on, on a fan side of property, but here's why. That game, nobody cares. There's not the pressure that I've got to be cranking out a whole bunch of stuff. Like I certainly we'll cover it and, and we will, we'll write just about the game, but Cowboys, it's America's team. It's a divisional game that actually somehow does matter. And then of course, Ravens, you just want to sit down and watch the Texans alliance. You, oh, the, oh, let's put it this way. The only way you could get me to watch that game was to pay me. Fan sided has stepped up and they are paying me. So I will sit there. And I'll suffer through it. It's going to be great. I can't wait. 1130. No, it is not wake up and live it hey everybody thanks uh, again for listening we appreciate it subscribe tell a friend and most importantly have a very 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 happy thanksgiving we will talk to you sunday night after the bears and the green bay packers happy thanksgiving sick of being upsold at gyms my guy you're currently a base member for 90 dollars more i can upgrade you to our shred membership for 130 more you'll be a swole member and for just 300 more you'll reach sweat platinum at planet fitness you'll get energy without the upsell never pushy always free fitness training and equipment for every workout it's fitness that fits your budget join planet fitness for just one dollar down and ten dollars a month cancel anytime deal ends friday may 10th see home club for details